Hey family, thank you for joining us today and man am I excited to share God's word with you today on Palm Sunday. Maybe today's the first time you're joining us and what an incredible day to join us Palm Sunday. You know this is the beginning of the final week of Lent and this is that moment in time where Jesus entered into Jerusalem as the King of Kings. And so I want to jump right in to the story today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21. So you can follow along with us if you want to. Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to start in verse 1. And we're going to talk today about God's plan. Matthew 21 verse 1. This is what the Bible says. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. He said to them, go to the village ahead of you, And at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. I dare you to do this. The next time you go to a car dealership, just say, hey, listen, car dealer, the Lord needs this car. I'm totally kidding. Do not do that. You will get arrested. (laughs) But I think it's funny. But anyhow, verse 4. Verse 4 says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. God, we ask over these few moments that we have together, these precious moments. We ask that you would declare something to us that would change us forever. We don't want to leave the same way we started. We don't want to come into your presence and hear your word and participate in worship and leave how we came in. We want to be different. So declare something to us that will change us. In Jesus name we pray. And everybody said amen. I love this story. It's such a powerful story, but I want to focus in on a verse that maybe you haven't paid much attention to in the past. I want to focus in on verse four. The Bible says here in verse four of Matthew 21, it says, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. In other words, the Bible is telling us, hey, pay attention. This is God's plan happening right before your eyes. I love this, that Jesus wasn't just winging it. He wasn't just trying to figure it out as he went. But God had a plan. Verse 9 tells us that the people that were with him ran ahead of him. And they started to cry out. They started to say, Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna just means save us now. Save us. They were looking for salvation. And they were looking at their Savior. But they didn't want salvation the way Jesus was going to bring it because this week they're crying, Hosanna. Next week, they'll be saying, crucify him. Something happened in that week 
that changed the mentality of the people towards Jesus. What was it? He came in as a conquering king, but he died as a suffering lamb. Something happens to us in our mindset and our thinking about God when things don't work out according to our plan. Even Jesus' own disciples didn't understand him all that well. The Bible says as they're coming to arrest Jesus that Peter grabs a sword and he reaches out and he cuts a man's ear off. I guarantee you Peter wasn't going for the man's ear. This is a fisherman, by the way. He's not a soldier. He's a fisherman. He missed and he hit the ear. Are you thankful today for the times you were swinging at something and you missed and God's grace covered you? But he hit the ear. The Bible says the ear falls on the ground. Jesus reaches down on the ground, picks up the ear, and he puts the ear back on Malchus's head. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, this isn't how my plan is going to be accomplished. This isn't the way I'm going to do what I came to do. See, I think every one of us needs to know that God has a plan for us, but I think more than that, we need to know that God's plan might not be what we thought it was. We have to understand that God isn't making it up as he goes along. He is not reacting to our situation. He is not reacting to our emotions. God is very much preactive or proactive. That means that he acts in anticipation of future problems, needs, or changes. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Jesus is talking to his disciples, Peter in particular, and he says, Satan wants to sift you all like wheat, but I have prayed for you. In other words, God has been preparing you for what you did not see coming. You didn't see your fall coming. You didn't see this pandemic coming. But God has been preparing you for what you did not see coming. Jeremiah 29 and 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Some of you are crying, but God has a plan. Some of you are hurting, but God has a plan. Some of you are confused, but God has a plan. See, we have to realize that being loved by God does not mean that he is going to give us what we want. It means that he is going to give us what we need the most. All you have to do is just survey some of Jesus' closest friends and family. Just ask Mary, Martha, and Lazarus about the plans of God. They looked at Jesus because he didn't show up when they thought he should have showed up. And their brother dies, they look at Jesus and say, if you would have just been here, our brother would have been healed. And Jesus looks at them and says, I'm the resurrection and the life. See, they wanted a healing, but God wanted to perform a resurrection. Just ask, just ask his own mother and his earthly father. I'm sure they had plans. They, they definitely wanted to get married and they definitely wanted to have kids, but not the way it happened. Definitely not before they got married. Definitely didn't want their marriage plans ruined. Definitely didn't plan on having a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. Plans got blown up. Because we have to realize, we have to come to this recognition in our life that yeah, God has a plan. But very often God's plan doesn't look like our plan. And I love this about Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says, it says I know the plans I have for you. Think about that a second. The Bible says, God said, I know the plans I have for you. He didn't say you know. 
He said, I know. This is called providence. It's, it's just a fancy way of saying pro-video when you break the, the word down. It means that God sees before you see. It means that you can see to the end of the road, but God can see around the corner. It means that you can see to the top of the hill, but God sees the other side of the hill. It means that you don't see the full picture of what God is doing in your current situation. You might not know the plan, but let me tell you what you do know. You do know what the plan does. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They are good. They are not evil. They're to give you a hope and a future. They are there to prosper you. I might not know what the plan is, but I definitely know what the plan does. God plans that I would prosper. God plans that it would work out for my good. God has a plan. God has a plan. And when he plans to prosper you, you know what that means? That means that he has provision for you. That means that there is a supply that you don't know anything about right now. That means that there are resources that God has for you that you can't even see right now. That means there are avenues of blessing that you haven't even tapped into yet, but God has for them. They are called provision. In other words, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Do you know what that means? That means that God prepared a solution before the problem ever showed up. There's another story in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 22, about Abraham and his son Isaac. And the Bible says that Abraham had been praying for a son, believing for a son. And God finally gives him this son of promise and immediately asks for him back. He says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham says, sure, God, whatever you want, I'm, I'm obedient to you. I, I want to do your will. Abraham takes his son on this journey. And the Bible says that as they're walking, Isaac looks at his father, Abraham, and he says, hey, dad, I, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice? Abraham looks at Isaac and he says, God will provide. I love this because they're journeying up a mountain and when they get to the top, the Bible says that Abraham, in obedience to God, is getting ready to sacrifice his son, but an angel stops him and as soon as the angel stops him, Abraham looks and before he couldn't see this ram, before he had no idea this ram was there, but now he sees a ram caught in the thicket and God has provided. See, while Abraham and Isaac were walking up one side of the mountain, the provision was walking up the other side of the mountain. And I want you to know today that what you are going through, God sees it, and I know you see it, but you don't see the full story. God does. And God has your provision walking up the other side of the mountain right now, and I believe that in the name of Jesus. See, what is happening might have surprised you, but it did not surprise him. And since he will provide, I want to tell you that you have come too far to give up now. I believe you are right smack dab in the middle of a miracle. This is the moment you were made for. for. This is the time that you were created for. You didn't accidentally just show up in the earth. 
God placed you in the earth. You didn't sneak into the earth. You were spoken into existence by a God who loves you. The easy stuff anybody could have done. This right now is the highest honor because God is trusting us with pain. He is trusting us with silence. He is trusting us with confusion. He is trusting us with this disruption. Why? Because he believes that his plans for us are unstoppable. And it's about time that you and I believe what God believes over our lives. For some of us, this is extremely painful because we didn't think at this point in our lives we would be forced to start over. We never, we never imagined that we would be forced into another job, forced to reevaluate our life, forced to file unemployment. I was talking to a, a business owner last night. I've gotten back into to playing video games to fill up some of the time in the evening so I can kind of hang with my older son and we've been playing video games and I've met some people online and one of the people I met online was a business owner who, who lost his business, had to fire all of his employees and now he's taking a job at a grocery store. Uh, he's stocking the grocery store in the evenings and over the headset he was telling me, man, I feel like I failed. I, I feel like I feel like a failure myself. And I said this to him, and I want to say it to you. Never misunderstand a failed plan as a failed dream. The plan might be dead, but the dream God has for you is still alive. Your plans might have failed. The way you thought life was going to work out didn't work out. The way you thought things were going to go, they didn't go that way. The way you assumed life would be at this point, it's not that way anymore. We are all suffering to some degree. And I want you to understand that just because your plans failed doesn't mean that the dream God has for your life has failed. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel is in a place of mourning. And he is mourning because God has rejected Saul as king. And the reason God has rejected Saul is because Saul has been disobedient. He's dishonored God, but also because God has a better plan. See, Saul was the people's choice. The people wanted a king. They wanted to be like the other nations. They, they wanted to have a king to rule over them. And God was their king. And God said, okay, I'm going to show you <laughs> how bad it can get. When a man rules your life, it's going to get really bad. But they still wanted it anyway. And Saul has been rejected. Their plan has been rejected. Their king has been rejected. And Saul is, is a lost cause. And Samuel is broken because Samuel anointed Saul king. God told Samuel to anoint Saul as king. He wasn't God's choice, he was the people's choice. But Samuel anointed him as king. And Samuel is now grieving because something he invested his time in and his words in and his resources in has now been rejected. It's now not working anymore and God has walked away from it. And I know for some of you, what you are feeling right now is, is grief. And you're feeling grief because of loss. You've lost your job, 
You've lost your confidence. You've lost hope. You're grieving because you've lost. And the grief is real. And I, I encourage you, don't ignore the grief. But I also want to say to you what God said to Samuel while he was grieving. God came to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. And he said, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. He says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. First of all, notice this. God doesn't rebuke his mourning. He rebukes the length of his mourning. God isn't mad at you because you're upset. God isn't mad at you because you're grieving right now. God isn't mad at you because you're doubting or tears are filling your eyes or you're wondering what is next. God isn't mad at you over that. But he loves you too much to leave you there. Grief is normal, but getting stuck in it isn't God's plan for your life. And so I want to talk to you about what to do over these next few moments about what to do when you are stuck in sadness, when you are stuck in your grief, when you are trapped by loss, when you feel hopeless, when you feel like the world is closing in on you, how do you find your way out of sadness? First of all, I have to do this. I have to learn how to move on without closure. God didn't give Samuel a chance to fix Saul. I can imagine Samuel is broken, thinking, I could have, I could have been a better prophet to Saul. I could have, I could have helped him. Maybe even, maybe even wishing God would let him go fix Saul, but God rejected Saul. He cut that relationship off, and he didn't get the closure in that relationship that he wanted. He didn't feel like he had taken that relationship in Samuel's eyes to its fullest extent and God has said that's been rejected I'm moving you on to something else and it's hard to move on to something else when you're still hanging on to the thing that you have have lost and and I have to and you have to learn how to move on without closure in Jude chapter 9 something really interesting happens the Bible says in Jude 9 that Satan and the angel Michael are arguing over Moses's body Deuteronomy 34 tells us that when Moses was buried, he was buried in a place that nobody would ever know where Moses was buried. So why in the world is Satan arguing with Michael over Moses' body? I think Satan is arguing with Michael over his body because, because I think if the people of God had known where Moses was buried, they would have built a memorial to him. And I think it would have hindered them from moving forward into their future with Joshua. See, Joshua was the future. Moses was the past. And the people didn't even get a chance to really say goodbye to Moses. Paraphrasing and, and telling you this quickly, but basically Moses and God went on a walk and Moses didn't come back. Only God came back. And I can imagine the people there are wondering where Moses is. And Joshua's telling them to go forward, but they're wondering where is Moses' body so we can properly bury the man of God. And I think if they would have been able to bury Moses, I think it would have prevented them from moving on. Because I think sometimes we, we can arrange our lives around something or someone that is dead and gone. 
I think sometimes we can arrange our whole existence around something that isn't working anymore. And something that cannot take us into the future that God has for us. And so God has to end it quickly and end it abruptly so that we can, we can press into the thing that he, that he has for us. Because if, if he didn't, we'd memorialize it. We'd, we'd turn it into a place of worship. We would idolize it. We would get stuck there. And God doesn't want us to get stuck in our grief. He wants us to move forward into our future. See, you have a calling to look forward to. You have a future to look forward to. I know you don't understand now, but there is something in your future that all of this is preparing you for. You have a calling in front of you. Your future is calling you, but some of you are still waiting for an apology. Your future is calling you, but some of you are still waiting for answers. And and most of us stay stuck because we want to properly memorialize the thing we lost. We want to we want to hang around the thing we lost. I'll, I'll never forget the funerals that I have done over the years for, for people who have lost loved ones. And I watch at the graveside as you literally have to peel the mother or the father away from that casket. You have to almost pull them away because they want to stay there. And if they could, I'm sure they would sleep under that tent with that casket because they don't want to leave. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your grieving. I'm just saying you can't stay there. You can't live in a graveyard. You have to move forward into your future. And here's here's our problem with our future is that we wonder... How could I want something this bad and it not be God? How could I have this much emotion and it not be God? How could I be so connected to this thing and it not be God? How can I feel the way I feel about her and she not be the one for me? (laughs) How can I love this job so much but lose it? How can I want this so bad, but it's not what God has for me? First of all, you have to to admit maybe you could be wrong. You have to admit that some of your worst decisions and some of my worst decisions have been emotional ones. We have to stop calling everything we want God. We have to stop using phrases like God told me and God said so when it's not what God wants at all. Sometimes it's, it's really just what we want. And if we were honest, we, if we didn't put God on it, we really looked at it for what it is, maybe it's actually entitlement. Maybe sometimes you and I are the kid throwing a tantrum at Target over the toy they didn't get. Maybe sometimes we're not throwing a tantrum over a toy, but we're throwing a tantrum over a relationship that we wanted to work so bad. Or we're throwing a tantrum over a car that we wanted so bad. Or we're throwing a tantrum over a job that we just believed was the answer for us. And we get into this mindset of, I deserve this. and I want it so bad, so I should have it. And if I don't have it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here in my grief because I, I earned this. I'm owed this. God owes this to me. Whenever you think God owes you, you are stuck. 
And if you were honest, you would say, just like I'm saying, God, the only thing I deserve from you is judgment. And I'm thankful, God, that you didn't give me what I deserve, but you gave me your mercy. Come on, if we were honest today, we don't deserve a thing from God. And if God never does another thing good in our lives, he's already done enough by giving us his son, Jesus. And I'm thankful for that today. He doesn't owe us a thing. And you will never move on until you become grateful where you are. So I have to, I have to become grateful for where I am. And I have to stop focusing on what I, I don't know. And I have to focus on what I, what I know. So you're going to ask a lot of questions during a time like this. Why did this happen? You know, why am I under attack? Why am I suffering like this? And to the question of why did this happen, I would say to you, I don't know. But I do know that he works all things together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Why am I under attack? You know, I, I don't know. But I do know this, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, he shall condemn. Why am I suffering like this? You know, I don't know. But I do know this, I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And so because I don't know what I don't know, I can't spend my life building a memorial to what I don't know. I have to spend my life focused on my future. Why? Because listen, life is not a Word document. You can't edit it and you can't delete it. Darius Daniel said this, he said, you have to stop revisiting what you cannot revise. You have to stop going back to the thing you cannot change. You, you cannot undo your past. You cannot undo the effects of this pandemic. You cannot undo it. Many of us, our lives have been changed forever. But what you can do is focus on what you know. God is faithful. God is a provider. And if he brought me into this, he will bring me out of this. And if he was faithful when I was young, he will be faithful when I am old. I don't know a lot, but I do know some things. I know that God is for me and not against me. See, my life and your life, they're a story. And all you can do is write the next chapter. You can't go back and revise your history. It is what it is. But you can start today in the new mercy that God has given you for today and begin a brand new life. You can begin a brand new life. So God tells Samuel, he says, Samuel, why are you grieving still? How long are you going to be like this? He says, Samuel, he says, fill your horn with oil. This is powerful because anytime God tells you to get the oil, man, James tells us when there's sick among you, go get the oil and pray the prayer of faith and it will heal the sick. Anytime the oil gets involved, you know something supernatural is getting ready to happen. Something supernatural is getting ready to change in your life. The anointing will open doors for you your talent can't open. The anointing will give you things that you don't qualify for. In other words, God is saying to Samuel, this time it's gonna be different. See, I know that Saul was anointed, but that anointing was wasted because that was man's choice and not God's choice. 
This is a season where God is going to keep you from wasting your oil on things that are not assigned to your life. Some of us have been spending a lot of energy doing things that were not assigned to our life. And we were wasting our oil. We were wasting our gift. We were wasting our talent. And God has come to disrupt our plans, to introduce his plan so that we would stop wasting the oil. He's got a plan. And he wants to fill it with the oil, the anointing. The anointing comes to help you with your assignment. The anointing comes to assist you to do what God has called you to do. And God says, Samuel, fill your horn with oil. Something supernatural is about to take place. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God in this room right now. There's nobody in here but me, but I feel the presence of God in this room. And I can, I can guarantee you, in your home, something is shifting in your mindset right now. The oil, come on, the oil. We're not going to waste our oil in this season. We're not going to waste our oil on things that don't matter. We're not going to run around and try to anoint our plans. We're going to anoint the plan of God in our life. And then he tells him, he says, go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. I love this line because Jesse's name means I possess. I'm telling you, I believe that something God is doing so significant in this season is this. I believe that God is taking us from a place of settling to a place of possession. And what I mean by that is I believe that some of you have settled in a place that God did not call you to settle in. And this disruption is moving you out of a place that you settled in that was not God's plan for your life. And God is moving you into the thing that you were created to possess. You were created to possess it. Oh man, God has something for you to possess. That's powerful. He says, go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. Bethlehem just means house of bread. The Bible says in John 6 and 35, Jesus said, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I think God is saying to us that we've been eating a lot of stuff and drinking a lot of stuff that couldn't satisfy us. We've been spending a lot of time doing a lot of things that wouldn't, couldn't, never would satisfy us. God is inviting us to Bethlehem. He's asking us to go to Jesse's house. He's asking us to go to the house of bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread. God wants to give you something in this season so real that you will never be hungry or thirsty in that area of your life ever again. And then God says to Samuel, he says, I have chosen a king. This is my choice and not yours. <laughs> now that your plan has failed, now that everything you were putting your confidence in has walked away, now that the stock market has tumbled, now that your job is unsecure or gone, now that all of your plans have failed, let me introduce you to my plan. Saul represents the life you thought you wanted. David represents what you really need. 
And some of us will have a hard time with this because it's hard for us to believe that God has something better for us. But you have to stop believing the lie that your best days are behind you. I want to close with this thought. There's a story in Genesis of a man named Joseph. And Joseph's life is marked by betrayal and disappointment. He had an incredible dream, but his plans failed. But just because his plans failed didn't mean the dream had failed. Joseph has come through so much in his life. We find him in Genesis 41. He's married and his wife is having their first son. And the Bible says that Joseph names his firstborn son Manasseh. Why? Listen to Joseph's explanation. He says, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. I want to say this to you and I want to declare this over your life today. God has something in your future that is so good that it will make you forget all the trouble of your past. Did you hear that? God has something in your future that is so good that it will make you forget all the trouble of your past. One day, you're going to sit there in God's plan and you're going to look back at the trouble you went through and say, man, it was nothing compared to the good thing that God had planned for my life. The Bible teaches us that men make many plans, but it's the Lord's will that will be established in the earth. And I'm praying that you would sense now more than ever the plan of God coming into effect in your life. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Dear Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. God, maybe there's someone listening to me today who doesn't even know you. Maybe they tuned in today by, by accident in their mind, but, but you have a plan. This was, this was your way of getting their attention. And today they, they recognize that something is missing in their life. Or maybe someone is sitting there and saying, I feel this guilt and this shame over my life. I feel so much disappointment. I, I feel like I'm not worth anything. And and because of the message, I'm feeling like maybe there's hope for me. Maybe there is actually some value to my life. And, and you're hearing correctly, God is declaring that, that he, he died for you and he, he gave his life for you and he wants to save you. And so maybe you're in your home right now or you're in your car listening and you would say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need salvation. Save me, Hosanna, save me. Save me, Jesus. And all I'm going to ask you to do is pray this prayer with me. And I believe that in this moment, God is going to radically change your life forever. So if that's you, pray this prayer with me. And maybe if, if it isn't you and you're just at home today and you say, I want to pray this prayer too. I, I want to make a fresh commitment to God. I'm going to pray this prayer too. Then pray this with me. Say this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave your life for me. I give you my life today. Take it all, have your way. 
use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. Thank you that you love me so, so much. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen. Hey, maybe you're there today and your plans have failed. And like Samuel, you're grieving. I want to say this to you today. How long? How long? How long are you going to mourn over what has been rejected? Today, God isn't mad at you because you're grieving. But God loves you too much to let you stay in your grief. He has a plan. It might not look like yours, but he has a plan. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you that when our plans fail is finally the time we start to see your plan. Maybe that's what it takes, God. Maybe it takes the failure of our plan for us to really see your plan. And today I want to thank you that you're not mad at us because we're upset. You understand that we are emotionally connected to things and people and relationships and jobs and you understand that but you've come today to pull us out of our grief and into your plan and I'm praying that every person whether it's today or if it's a week from now or months from now would have their eyes open to see that in Jesus name amen again I want to thank you for joining us today and I, I just want to say it's been incredible to see how you guys have continued to give and remained faithful uh, in your giving. Some of you are, are really struggling right now financially and you continue to give. I, I'm, I'm blown away. I've, I've, never, I've never been more uh, just blown away by your faithfulness. Uh, you're an incredible church. And so if you can continue giving, that helps us to do what we are called to do here at Calvary Church. And we understand that this is a difficult time, but thank you. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in that area. If you've made a decision about Christ or you want prayer or you need some help, please reach out to us. You can go to our website. You can fill out a form online that, that will help you get the help you need or you can sign up to help someone in need. I know this week... Uh, we were sending people out uh, to do different things from pick up groceries to help people get things that they need to go to uh, the pharmacy and pick up medicine. All types of things are happening around here. We've partnered $1,000 a week with different ministries in the community and we're going to continue to do that. We've got a fund set up for people who are right now losing their jobs because of extreme sickness, like cancer treatments and other things like that. And so we're trying to help people financially through that time as well. So please reach out to us. We love you so much. Please don't go through this alone. Reach out to someone. We're doing our best to reach out to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. God bless you.